Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. I'm sorry for those watching live right now. There is something floating in this coffee, um, and I am not going to drink it, even though I am very tired. I'm not going to risk that. What I am going to say is, hey, the lion season is over. Huh? Is that a threat? Is that a prom? Is that a promise fulfilled? Is it a hope? I don't know, but we kicked the Packers' ass on the way out. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what that really matters when you got Jordan Love for half the game. But guess what? Dubs a dub, kicks their butt, throw them to the curb, make them sweat a bit in a very wild Week 18, and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about the season that's been on the last regular season POD cast. POD cast is year round. We don't stop. All gas, no breaks here on Pride of Detroit on the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host, at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Pride to Detroit.com, Pride to Detroit on Twitter, Pride to Detroit on Facebook. Download the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. As always, the man with the stash, the fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit on Lion. He's here. He's back. We had to peel him off the Rams 49ers game, but he's here. He's here. All smiles today, Chris. Uh, feeling great about uh, the Lions' performance. Uh, and and it w- feels weird to say that the Lions, you know, it, it was an extremely fun game, an extremely fun season, even though they go 13, uh, 3 13 and 1. And man, like just the positive vibes is, are, are, are kind of incredible uh, coming out of Ford Field, given how quote unquote bad the season was, but how they finished, you know, 3 and 3 to go out the final six games and significant noticeable progress. And, and listen, this line's team has been fun to watch all year, whether it's trick plays, crazy finishes, all of the above. Uh, I, I can't feel any better. I think about how that season ended and uh, hopefully bright times ahead. Well, I, I think that's going to be our segment two topic because I do want to talk about how we feel about the season overall. I don't know if I can call it a full success, uh, it's it's definitely the positives are there. I agree, and we will discuss them. But I will say it's a, it's it's our favorite kind of season, Jeremy. It was an interesting season. It was an interesting sure. season. Interesting things happened, and we had fun games in them. And uh, none more interesting or more fun than Ryan Matthews, the rock god, on a multi-way parlay here at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how'd you make out today? in a psycho week 18. 
Yeah, Jared Goff over 218 and a half passing yards and the Lions with some points. It was an easy bet, man. Like, speaking of bets, let's give, let's hang the other banner, right? Lions 11 (laughs) and six against the spread this year. Yeah, hang, hang that instead of the actual record, which by the way, I had three wins to start the year, so I'm dead on. That's the marking of a very entertaining team. But this is this is probably what I'll remember this team as is, you know, entertainment from week to week. But every once in a while, just like just like every movie franchise that's way too bloated and there's too many sequels, maybe like the Fast and Furious franchise, there's a stinker every once in there, you know. There's for every, it can't all be gold. They can't all be gold. It can't all be great for all, for, for all the great fast and furious. There are, there's a Tokyo drift in there. Yeah. Right? The Seahawks game was definitely the Tokyo drift of the yeah. season. Either that or the Eagles game. There's a couple to pick from, but you know what, when, when, when lions football in 2021 was operating at peak performance, it was very, very entertaining. And it was, and, and it made me hopeful for, for what's to come. I think the cast of characters really helped too, because I don't know if we're casting our Don um, here yet. I, I, who, how would, who would be, since you're the fast and furious lore master here, Ryan Matthews, uh, who would, who would Amon Ross St. Brown be? Cause I don't think he's Don. No, I obviously, I mean, Dave Campbell's the one who's all about family. So that's true. That is he's, true. He's gotta be Don. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like Amon Ross St. Brown is probably Tyrese's character. I was going to say, is he like Hobbs and or Shaw? <laughs> I, I just want to ruin Jeremy. You are saying right all the fun out of today right now. I just hope you all realize that. Hey, hey, it's, I, it's better than gold, man. I'm really, I'm re- I really mean it though. Like we got answers. I feel like in this season to Jared Goff, not every answer, but some answers to the, to the question of, can he do it again? And the end of the season was very much so a yes. And Amon Ra St. Brown went from, hey, this guy looks like a prototypical, you know, slot receiver. He could be nice for depth, be a good for good day three pickup to, oh my God, this guy has broken rookie yard records for Roy Williams and Calvin Johnson. And oh, by the way, he's done something no NFL rookie has done, which is uh, I'm sorry, how six games with eight and more, eight or more receptions. Yeah. That that's a Lions record. That's, no that's Lions, a Lions receiver has ever done. No Lions. Calvin Johnson period. never done that. Yeah, yeah. Megatron never done that. More, more games doing that than Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, and by the way, the Lions have not lost at home since Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's a game they probably should have won that one too. Yeah. <clears throat> it, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know. Today was, was just, it was a lot of fun. And if, if you want it, we can get into talking about whether they should have won and Jacksonville, blah, blah, blah. I don't really care about that. No. Um, Jack, I mean, especially like there's, there's definitely a possibility Jacksonville takes an offensive tackle and then you're left with two guys that would have been there for, for one for the pickings for the lines anyways. So maybe we'll man. talk that about that in the third segment about draft position. But to be honest, like if anyone's trying to kill the lions for playing their guts out and not like bombing to get the first draft pick overall, like a, that's not how sports work. B, it ignores, like, I I have, I swear we're going to get to breaking down some this game itself here, but you can't look at, look at some of the other games that were going around, like the Vikings or the Giants. None of those guys are, like, people keep asking me whether or not that's like trying to say like this team is, 
you know, trying to brush off the idea this team is still fighting for Dan Campbell. Go look at those teams, man. Those are teams that are quitting on their coaches. These guys right here, they're playing like hell to the final end. They're they're everyone's chipped in. Yeah, and I'm like, it, you can I'm not you can be hot take about that. You can say, oh, I have been against the the, the Packers backups, but th- they were winning at halftime, and most of the Packers starters were in there for the the entire first half. So 17, 13 and a halftime. Lions were playing well. I mean, it was really like the first time the Lions played the Packers. 17, 14, I think, at halftime of that game, and. I don't know, man. Like the offense is just it. The offense is one of the bigger questions in the offseason because we also got the report that that Anthony Lynn is is probably not sticking around, and Dan Campbell wouldn't address or confirm that on on Sunday night after the game. But um, I, I feel like there's starting to be fewer and fewer questions about this offense. The the way that they finish this game, like Jared Goff, I, I'm not ready to crown him as as a guy that could lead this team to a championship, but I am ready to say that I'm probably okay with him starting all 17 games next year. I'm, um, I'm there too. Yeah. I'm on Dan I'm Campbell too. calling plays. I'm still a little bit up in the air about that, but I'm starting to feel a little bit better about that. Ben Johnson taking whatever sort of increase it role next year, whether it's just doing what he's been doing in the second half of the season with a different title, or maybe even taking over play calling duties. I mean, how can you argue with the results? The first trick play was set up two weeks ago by those inside handoffs that Amon Ra had against the Falcons, which we, I think we raved about in this podcast about those are cool, pretty interesting plays that were both successful. Now they build off of that. They, they trick the Packers. Everyone on the sideline is like, this is a run to St. Brown. They're yelling from the sideline, the Packers sideline completely baited them into a beautiful touchdown. Both of their trick plays that worked on offense worked to perfection. There was no one near those guys. And man, like that sort of stuff is exciting. And I, I know maybe those are kind of, you know, once or twice a season type plays, but I hope they, they maintain that sort of aggressiveness, that sort of fun identity, even when they're not in desperation mode, even not, even when, you know, it isn't the final game of the season, because I mean, Dan Campbell also set the record for, for fourth down attempts in this game and fourth down conversions in this game. And part of me thinks, yeah, that's because this team sucked and they needed it to win these games. But I underestimated Dan Campbell at the beginning of this year. I thought he was going to be a conservative coach. I thought he wasn't going to risk a lot of fourth downs and he proved me wrong. And so I am equally excited for him to prove me wrong that this wasn't just a desperation season where he threw the kitchen sink at, a, at opponents out of necessity. I want to see him do it against decent teams while this team is competing. And I think they might be able to compete at a much higher level next year. I think there's going to be different kinds of questions for each side of the football. Cause I agree with you, Jeremy, like there, there are going to be a lot of questions in terms of coaching staff and how that all shakes out because losing your offensive coordinator, it's a pretty big deal. Um, you know, I, I don't think that that's um, I, I mean, it could happen internally. Like you, you mentioned maybe Ben Johnson is due for a, uh, for a promotion or, or something like that. But um, the questions on the offense seem like they mostly rely with the coaching staff. You're going to sprinkle in a few players here and there on offense. Um, you know, another wide receiver, you know, definitely a couple more tight ends. Um, and you're going to get players back being healthy, like Frank rag now. Um, but on the flip side, when we talk about the defense, it's the inverse. Yep. Like it's all about, it's going to be talent acquisition, talent acquisition, talent acquisition. Like they need to improve the personnel on defense because if there was one thing that was very alarming about this game and it's, it's a growing trend over the season, it's the lions don't have a lot of tacklers. Like they don't have a lot of guys who, who make plays in the run games, 
you know, making, making stops. Um, and they lost some of those guys this season too, but, but that's, that's kind of my, you know, lead into to free agency and the draft and the off season as a whole is the offense, more coaching staff side defense. There, there's going to be a lot of new faces on defense. Yeah. Who was it? Was that DeGuara who ran for the touchdown? That guy was churning along so slow, like a damn diesel engine. And it's Alan McNeil keeping pace with him, but the, but it's the Lions secondary is not, it's not there. Um, on the offense side, I think your, your point is right about that. I think I had some people saying this during the post game and I kind of agree with it. You're starting to see this offense take look a lot more like probably like the saints offense. Uh, and I think what Dan Campbell's done what, as he's taking over from play calling is he got away from this idea of we, we saw it early in the season where he wants to dominate time of possession. He wants to ground out the clock and that could, that worked for spurts. But when he started to take a more assertive approach to the play calling, as you say, it's just been the kitchen sink thrown at him every time. It, it starts to become more a more practical play calling versus an ideological, this is what we want to do play calling. It became more dynamic, more, more adapted to, to the situation. And if, if nothing else, Jared Goff getting more comfortable with his receivers and taking more shots downfield opened that up a lot more too. No question. And it's interesting because a couple of weeks ago, I think we would all probably point to the acquisition of Josh Reynolds as, as kind of the key to a lot of that. This game, he caught one pass for 11 yards. Like it, it's beyond Josh Reynolds at this sun point. God. Um, it, it's, it's Amon Ra. It's an offensive line that's protecting better. And it's Jared Goff playing a lot better. And, and like you said, it, it's a more aggressive approach. Even diversity uh, too. Like Khalif Raymond had a hundred yards receiving yeah. in this game. <laughs> Granted, 75 of it came out of the on the trick play. <laughs> but still, I mean, even even we, we've seen Kendarrell Hodge come on at times. Brock Wright had had a, a semi-big game, again, kind of bolstered by a big trick play. But uh yeah, it's it's a more aggressive approach, and it's not it's not abandoning the run game by any means. You know, they ran the ball 26 times, they weren't that effective on the ground as we kind of suspected they may not be because the Packers have a pretty good run. Or, I'm sorry, the Packers don't have a good run defense. Um but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you wonder how much it can carry over, but, but yeah, I do want to get to the defense a little bit here too, because it was very much a mixed bag in this game because I thought the first half they were making plays, you know, Julian Aquara gets a couple sacks. Um, I thought if Atu Melifano may have, may have had the best defensive play of the game when he went stride by stride with Devonte Adams on that deep play and played it perfectly, turned his head, batted the ball down. That sort of stuff is very exciting for me to see because if Atumelo Fanu could very well be a big part of the defense going forward. But then in the second half, Jordan Love kind of tore him apart, if I'm being completely honest. And he's throwing to guys I completely, if, completely honest, I've never heard of guys like Jawan Winfrey and, and Dominique Dufne. And, I've definitely and, never heard of Deguara. Yeah, I, I've heard of Josiah Deguara, but I, I don't know where. Like, maybe <laughs> maybe a job listing somewhere. So uh, it, 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 was, it was a little bit troubling, but at the same time, like, Lions did get two interceptions at the end of that game to seal it. And, and, that, and that leads me to, to one of the guys I want to talk about, and I think he's going to be a guy that we talk about a lot over the next three months. That's Tracy Walker. Now, he was the one that missed the tackle on, on the Deguara play that, that broke it free, but my dude balled out for the rest of the game. He was all over the damn field. He had, I think a career high 13, 14 tackles in this game has the game ceiling interception, which listen, I, I, at this point I'm, I'm convinced Tracy Walker is going to come back because of everything he said about this coaching staff 
all week. And especially in the post game press conference, when he said Dan Campbell is not getting enough credit and the way that this defensive coaching staff has allowed me to be part of the game plan is going to influence what I do in free agency. But if, if the money doesn't talk and for whatever reason, Tracy Walker isn't back next year, that's a fantastic fucking way to go out and excuse my language to the people that don't like me swearing, but geez, here we go again. That was, that was such a, a poetic way for him to go out if he doesn't say, but again, at this point, I'm convinced he's staying. Yeah. There's no way you can watch that. Um, that locker room celebration and not think that Tracy Walker is not going to be a part of the Detroit lions uh, next season with the way that he broke everything down. I, I mean, I think almost just as fitting. It was kind of awesome to see Tim Boyle take the kneel down to ice the game when the Packers had used him so many times to do that themselves. And he came out to do it against the Packers. Um, I, I thought in terms of things being poetic, I, I liked uh, that crude, that crude sense of humor, but like I, um, I I'm really hoping Tracy Walker comes back that it'd be a huge, huge, uh, you know, acquisition to, to, to retain him. Um, especially did you see Quandre Diggs got carted off? Oh, that was awful. I I feel, I felt so bad for him. Just Um, so many players getting hurt like today that, you know, were up for contracts and things like that. And, and dig, I mean, back-to-back pro bowl years, like just absolutely earn the bag. And then hopefully this isn't as bad as, as it looked, but yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, two notes from me first off on the, uh, on the revenge is a disturbed cold kind of stuff with t- Tim Boyle. This is a lot of clashing between Packers and lions. First off, I mean, Jamal Williams definitely involved in this game. Uh, and then you had the St. Brown family wearing the cut up lions Packers <laughs> Jersey because equanimous is on the other side. Let's not forget. So that was, uh, I thought at first his white, like he, like John was wearing a Lions jersey, and then his wife was wearing a Packers jersey. Then they kind of zoomed in. And I saw it's like, oh, well, yeah, no, they were both cut up. So like, yeah, they, they were, were both cut up, but I didn't see that initially on on, yeah, yeah. on a camera. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other note is that while we focus on Tracy Walker, I guess the other point I take away from the defensive performance, and this is more towards the first half, is once again, damn, I really want an edge rusher because there was a lot of times where you could see the pressure spooking Aaron Rodgers in the pocket, but there was no one there to clean up. Yep. There was no one there to clean up that, that chaos. And I, I understand that Oqu- Julian O'Quara was back. He had two sacks today. That's all well and cool, but there were still even more plays where Rodgers had much, a lot of time to just sit in the pocket and to their credit, coverage was taking care of it. He, he had to kind of figure out what was going on there. But once again, it's the, it's the thing I've always been teed off about when it comes to the Lions defense. So there's no one off the edge to clean up on excellent pressure from the tackles. And I just, that had, I mean, we'll talk about the draft lions have the number two pick, but man, I just, I, and I know there's other players at the top of the draft, like Kyle Hamilton to consider, but man, I, an edge and suddenly this defense click so much more if you can get someone off the edge to clean up the pressure that is being put on on the offense no question no question i mean this is, it's why i think lions fans have been salivating at the thought of, of the top two edge rushers at the top of this class i mean obviously getting uh getting romeo back will also help in that um aspect but seeing as he's coming off a uh an Achilles. We don't know if he's got cam Akers in him where he can come back in, in six months and, and take the field, um, which I, it, it, that either gives you a lot of hope or you just wonder what 
what Cam Akers is made of. But uh, hopefully, with with that, I don't that blueprint. Maybe maybe Jeff Okuda and Romeo Quar can come back next year uh, earlier than we expected. <clears throat> yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. I have a question for you guys, and I think it gets to the heart of I think that we have discord among Lions fans when it comes to just 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 the, we we see it with some Lions fans because it, it is three wins at the end of the day, and there are three some fans who, three three and a half. Yes. <laughs> when did you become a gambling guy? I just I just need to emphasize how close this team was to four wins and you and your silly bet, which didn't pay out for on, <laughs> on your end. Meanwhile, it's, it's halfway close to my prediction of three wins. Either way we have, I have a question and it's, was this, was this year a success? Was it a failure? How do you quantify that without like, I, I just want to, I want to make it as absolute as possible and then allow some leeway in your interpretation, but it has to be binary because yes, we can, we can nitpick and go in the middle, but guess what? I, I, I like to do black and white just to make you uncomfortable. We'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride of Detroit POD cast. We're resetting anyway, even though you're probably still listening to the same show. You just came back from the break. Hi, you haven't, you haven't changed the podcast. Hopefully what's up Uh, recapping here the season. And I feel like I'm about to step into it. I'm about to become very adequate and ask you guys to play a really silly game, but I insist. I greatly insist because I've, you know, I keep my pulse to some of the other 
Detroit media out there. And I don't think some people are as positive as, as us. And look, I get it, especially when you boil it down to it. This is a three win Lions team. And there's been plenty of times where even Jeremy, I know you've kind of questioned some of the performances that have come out of this team. So I guess the big question is, if I make this binary, if I make this black and white, even if you only lean one way, but you have to use the word, was this season a success or a failure? I don't care for your criteria. You can explain your criteria to set it if you want, but I want you to use the word. I don't want you to weasel out of the word. I want you to use the word. I want you to stick to it. I am being very embraced debate here. I am asking you to pick a side. And I know that is antithetical to POD cast where we just don't do that. But I feel like it's a great experiment in trying to understand maybe where these perceptions differ and trying to explain to people why we are so positive about some elements and why we're so negative about other elements and where we put place those emphasis. So I teed it off long enough. Jeremy, was this season a success or a failure? Unequiv- unequivocally a success. How's that for taking a side? Okay. Un- unequivocally a success. Okay. Because I, I remember at the very beginning of the year, what did we want? Did we want this team to compete for a playoff? No, that wasn't realistic. Did we want this team to, you know, be number one, the number one defense or whatever? No. The one thing that we wanted was to see this team improve. We wanted this team to play better in December and January than they did in September. And there is absolutely no question that they did. Absolutely no question that they did. Jared Goff went three and one in his last starts, last four starts. This team went three and three at the end of the season. Two of those were, were starts by Tim Boyle, his second and his third career start, where he clearly isn't ready to be a starting quarterback. And, and these wins aren't coming against scrub teams. Maybe, maybe yes, Packers backups in the second half. Cardinals, not a scrub team. Vikings, not a scrub team. These weren't easy clean them up wins. And yes, there were some blowouts along the way. There were some recent blowouts. Last week, like, can you imagine? had the season ended last week and just like the, the lack of positive vibes going into the off season. I'm not one to talk about weird year momentum, but from a, from a fan standpoint, finishing the season, the way that they did over finishing last week, miles of difference. And, and is that a little irrational? Sure. One game shouldn't change how you feel about this team's future that much, but with the offense improving a bunch with the defense dealing with all the injuries that they did and, and, you know, the coaching staff getting as much love as they, they did and the the progression of players like Charles Harris and Tracy Walker and, and you know, Amani Oruwarie. We saw individual improvement. We saw group improvement, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I honestly don't know what you can ask for. And the cherry on top is this team gets a top two draft pick despite going on a run towards the end of the season. You get You get your cake and you get to eat it too. This was unequivocally a successful season for Dan Campbell in year one. And if people want to just point to three 13 and one and be like, how can you call that a success? Get out of here. Context matters. And the context here is that the lions are improving the lions and, and maybe most important of all, like the culture. And, and I, I hate to be the guy who, who talks about something that's, that's not tangential. It's not physical, but this team went through hell this season went through hell they, in terms of injuries, in terms of heartbreaking losses. This team was what? Oh, 10 and one at one point. 
and they go on yeah. a, a roll with, with guys that might not ever start a football game again. That means something. And, and for them to go through all of that and everyone sing this coaching staff's praises and front office praises and all that, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked about 2022. I can't wait for the season to start. Season just ended. I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah. Um, do you want me to answer the same question, Chris? Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's, round, it's a round table. You, you get your shot now. Okay. Uh, well, I want to start with uh, some of the minute successes. And I think things that probably um, they, they'll probably get swept under the rug in, in due time. Um, but some of the, some of the smaller successes that I, I, I feel like don't seem like much of a success uh, in the grand scheme of things is the lions have their guy, like they have their head coach and it, that's it, minor. It's, no, 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 no. I, 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 oh. I think, I think it's minor in the sense to say like, Oh, the lions don't have to worry about hitting reset again, or like they don't have to be in this situation where, I mean, imagine being a Houston Texans fan right now, like I, you, getting a coach who'd be one and done. I mean, that that's awful. I mean, that sets your franchise back years and years and years. It's so refreshing to know that I think the Lions have a guy who, provided he wants to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions, is a guy who will be around for a very long time. And that seems like a a small success in the immediate because of a record that says like 313 and one. And, you know, like you said, Jeremy, starting that season off with, you know, being the only winless team in the NFL, still trying to get a win, and they end up getting a tie. And, it seems like they continue to be like the kind of just the, the horse that everybody kicks, but by the, by halftime of this game, there were like national media people that were like, finally, Oh, the lions are fun. Oh, like the lions are bad, but they're really cool to watch. Or I think it helped that this game was on, like, for whatever reason was on a lot of the Fox early across the right, country. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's, it's all over people's television screens, but like, I, this is when like the perception starts to change, right? Like when, when the, like for, for as much as we want to say, like always turn, like tune into your local media. If, if you want to figure out like the pulse of a team, like, I mean, that national media stuff, players consume that. And like, that's, that's going to be the next step in, in making this, you know, taking this from being a, a, a success, a step in the right direction to like, now we're walking. Right. And it, it's going to be getting players through the door and getting good talent. But I'm with Jeremy in the fact that like, this is a huge success because there was a really good uh, article from Kevin Clark uh, from the ringer. And he wrote about how like NFL teams have a serious problem in hiring the right head coaches and general managers and all the mistakes that those, those organizations make. And Clark bumped into a, he, he didn't name him, but into an owner of a successful NFL team at a league event. And he said they got to talking and that league owner, or that uh, that team owner said that he was starting to believe that the only sustainable competitive advantage in football was culture and that everything else can be replicated or figured out. But like culture cannot because it's super hard to build. The lions are building, man. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, and we're even guilty of it here too, especially during Patricia in those years where we were saying that, well, culture is only, you only get culture if you're winning. I think we were a little too reductive at that point. 
Do, do you do you agree, Jeremy? Before I get to mine, or sure, because yeah. I, I I mean I, I think if if there's one lesson I've taken away from this year, it's like culture isn't just if you're win. <laughs> it it helps probably speed it along, but there there's nothing to say that this team has culture and it has survived a lot of losing. And and just one thing I, I want to mention before we even get before we get to your point is this kind of national perception of the Lions have kind is kind of like I know, I know the Lions went o ten and one but it's not like they weren't competitive at the beginning of the season too. Like there were people, you know, after they, they almost came back against the 49ers the next week, they play a really good first half against the, the Packers. Then the following week is, is the Ravens. Like there were flashes all season. Now they're, they're certainly more consistent now than, than they were. And that's where the growth is, but this team was kind of competitive right out of the gate too. So um, not, not to like trash on the first half of the season either. Like lines have been consistently competitive with an uncompetitive roster. And that matters. They they had they had writers putting them like in the twenties in their power rankings, even though they didn't as, a, as a winless win. team. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we started the year with most people simming the Lions to like first overall pick. Like they're, cl- they're not, pretty close. No, I know they're pretty close, <laughs> but I'm just saying like those people are still kind of right on the money. But I think, and this is maybe going to segue into mine, but just as a preamble to mine, I think some Lions fans underestimated how bad this roster was going into this year go go before Campbell and Holmes even got their hands on it this was a really bad roster this was an incredibly bad roster and Stafford being here masked a lot of those problems man there there was a I don't know if you saw the graphic during the game Chris but there was uh there was something they threw up about uh since 2017 only 55 percent of the players that the Lions have drafted are on NFL rosters <laughs> I've done the like ramp before, it was, man. It's yeah. the third third worst in the NFL. It it, it, it 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 matters. And we talked about it during the during the Patricia years too. When you start driving away players, then you try to draft their replacements and you flail and miss swing and miss on those drafts. And then suddenly you're sinking a lot of you know salary cap money into getting the replacements. And those guys aren't doing well either. And it's just a it's a it's a feedback loop that just cripples your organization. And that's what the Lions have had to crawl out from. The, the I, last yeah. point I want to make about how improved this team is and, and why I think it's con, a, a con, consensus success here is we have to talk about the coaching staff too, because this was very much a learning year for a lot of these guys. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was Dan Campbell's first full season as a head coach, first last eight games as, as a play caller. And we saw him grow there. We saw some early mistakes, right. Um, with, with whether it's, you know, double timeout or, or, you know, he even mentioned it. Like he said, he made mistakes. He was kind of swimming in it early on because he didn't know how to properly manage his time during the game when he's calling plays and, and, you know, sp- spinning plates out there trying to, trying to do everything. And he got into a groove in the second half of the season and figured out Aaron Glenn first year as a defensive coordinator. I feel like we forget that. First year as a defensive coordinator, as much as we praise the guy, he made some early mistakes, right? We, yeah. we hammered him for some of the play calling early <laughs> in the season when three-man rushes late in the game that, that allowed the Ravens to come back, that allowed um, the Vikings to come back. And, and Jeremy, Jeremy, to that point, one of my favorite things about what the defense did today is when it was, you know, third and five, third and six, third and seven, it was – we're sending five, six yeah. guys they and so much more gonna, aggressive. We're going to, we're going to make you throw the ball quick. And then we're going to have, and then we're going to say your guy has to beat our guy. And that happened a couple of times, but like, sure. 
th- that's the right way to approach that. Do you, I mean, I, I don't know how many they rushed on that final play of the game, but it was pressure that won them that football game. Yeah. Pressure in Jordan Love's face that, that made, had him overthrow the ball right into Tracy Walker's hands. He learned. He learned. And, and the players are learning new schemes, and they're going to come back, and, and they're going to hit the ground running next year. They are. They, they don't have to relearn everything. And sure, there's going to be a fair enough amount, a fair amount of roster overturn where there are going to be guys that have to learn the new scheme. But Dan Campbell's going to hit the ground running as an offensive player caller, I think. I think that's the most likely scenario. And, and Aaron Glenn took his lumps this year and learned too. And so as long as he stays around and, and who knows if that's going to happen or not, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how you look at the season as a whole and, and say, I don't know if this team is headed in the right direction. I'm not right. not guaranteeing anything, but man, it, it's like I said. I'm just I. I let's fast forward the offseason. Let, let's get to September already. Sim, Sim, I'm gonna finally get to mine here. Um, just no, 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 no. That's good because I wanted that kind of conversation there. I'm not. I'm not. That's not me busting your balls. That's not. That's, and I'm glad you guys are doing it because I'm like trying to hold back some coughs here now too. Um, I think. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go for the clean sleep and I'll say it's a success. I won't say it's rousing, but it is definitely, I I'm saying it's a success. I'm going to use that word. I think uh, you, you mentioned the national media and you see the national media praising them, but I think the disconnect is now a lot of the local fans and a lot of the local media has kind of turned against the lions in a lot of ways because of the losing. But I would posit and say that those fans it's been a really long time since they've seen a proper rebuild. We've talked about this before. Proper rebuild, uh, that, that's a hard word to use to the Lions who have put up like four win seasons. And I wouldn't even call that a rebuild, just an incredibly underperforming year under Jim Schwartz or Matt, or, or Matt Patricia. But that wasn't a rebuilding year because you still had the core there. Your goal out of that gate was to win, was to win the, the, the division or to get to the playoffs or to get a wild card. The last actual rebuilding years are probably 2007, 2008, maybe a little bit of 2009 as part of that project. So we're talking over 10, 11, 12 years ago since you've seen that. I think some of them forgot what it feels like. And I think some of them don't realize that kind of hard work when your roster is just firebombed. This this roster, and I, I said it earlier, this roster is firebombed. This roster was not good. This roster, you, you mentioned earlier, Jeremy, you don't think some of these guys are going to be playing for an NFL team again. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. And look what you got at. Look what some of these coaches got out of them. And the big thing is we, we talked about it, it's the culture. You want that culture around. And what that culture translates into is exactly the big question. And it's the big question because I saw this being argued on Twitter the other day. People want to come to play for Dan Camp. Like guys want to play for Dan Campbell. I don't know if it draws guys. They're like, oh, I want to leave my team to go play for them. Like they're like some fucking anti sorry. Um, like so there's some anti-Joe Judge type of creature where it's like they they want to come there, but you find me one guy who wants to bail on Dan Campbell. I, I dare you find me one guy who wants to bail on Dan Campbell, who maybe what maybe you can find one who is maybe a holdover from the style of Matt Patricia, but you can't find that guy. You can't, you can't, you want to know why? Cause guys want to play because guys like how Dan Campbell coaches. He's not a meathead. He's incredibly intelligent. He's incredibly emotional. He's incredibly empathetic and like, 
man, this is, this is the antithesis of the Belichick Saban style of coaching. I'm not going to say it's as successful as that just yet. We still need to have that roll in, but it's night and day to that. I mean, and Belichick privately is kind of a, you know, a nicer person, but like still everyone in the media valorizes this idea of the hard nose above, above the board coach who's very smart in X's and O's. And Dan Campbell does not come off that way. He comes off as a lot more of an emotional creature. I think that creates the culture shock, but the results speak for themselves. Maybe not in the wins, but again, you win with the talent on the field. The Lions don't have a lot of talent on the field, but they've definitely shown you that they have a foundation on which to build on. And like, look, I'm not happy with three wins. I I can say that, but I don't think the lions are happy with three wins either, but they're at least committed to being, but at least the commitment at the end, at the end of the year, isn't everyone gathers up their resume and gets ready to head out the door. The commitment is we want to be back here and build upon this. And you've seen that come out in pieces like Amon Ross St. Brown, the growth of Jared Goff. You've had these questions that we've had answered. And some of those didn't work out in your favor. I don't know if Anthony Lynn's sticking around, but it's maybe for the best. It's maybe for the best if if that doesn't happen, just seeing the way that the play calling's gone a little bit. So yeah, I'm I am gonna say success. We'll make it a clean sweep. I the, from from everything that you and uh you and Jeremy have said, Chris, the, the one thing I want to add is that uh I, I think we did a little bit of like talking ourselves into Matt Patricia after Bob Quinn hired him and after that first season and it was all about the, giving him time. He needs to implement his system. Right. When, when, when the boat started to rock, when it was Darius Slay and when it was Quandary Diggs, it was okay. Well, maybe, maybe it's all about getting his players. Maybe it's all about getting his players. But then when, when it wasn't just Darius Slay or when it wasn't just Quandary Diggs, it was okay. Like, the difference between the feeling here and the feeling back then is that Matt Patricia like deceived people by hiding under the guise of, well, it needs to be my personnel and my kind of players. Once I get Trey flowers, once I get Justin Coleman, that happens. If Dan Campbell, if Dan Campbell is nothing else, he is, it seems like the most honest person that, that I've seen be a head coach in a long time. So that's why, three wins feels like a success this year is because it feels like he's going to bring in the right players. And by the way, I wouldn't just limit that to Dan, to Matt Patricia. I don't think former other former coaches were as much as a holes as Patricia, but I don't know if the culture was great under Jim Caldwell. I mean, it was definitely more stable. It was more calm. You saw, saw guys wanting to play for him, but there were definitely guys not feeling Detroit at the time. I know some former players who played under uh, Jim Caldwell, who do like, even though they came to Detroit, took a free agent contract to come to Detroit, they still, after leaving Detroit, immediately start bad mouthing the organization. Right. That, that matters. And you can't tell me the culture was good under Jim Schwartz either. We saw enough blowups and, you know, high profile leavings to say that, that culture wasn't good either. So it, it does matter. It does matter because if you're a team that is going to have to lose a lot, you need the buy-in. You need the buy-in. And, and the interesting thing, I feel like with a lot of coaching staffs, you, you talk about, oh, they need their guys, whether it's, whether it's a scheme fit, whether it's an attitude fit. Do you really feel like there is a, a strict profile for a Dan Campbell guy? 
there's one guy, Jeremy, and the reason why it makes me laugh is because they need a really good pass blocking tight end too. Like that's the kind of player. That <laughs> that's, that's the, that's the only key yeah. to success. But yeah, but otherwise it's like, like the hardworking guy. That's all you have to be. Yeah, if you want to be a Dan someone Dan who wants player. to play football, that's a Jamal, that's a, a Jamal that's Williams. A you, you need a Jamal Williams. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I think the answer is just like anybody, anybody who wants to play this football game is a good fit under Dan Campbell right now, because they'll find out a way to use him. And Amon Ra is like the perfect example guy that absolutely loves the game may not have been like a complete stylistic fit of what the line, what we thought the lines were going to do. But by the end of the season, Even personality God, wise, Jeremy, they found, pers- they found a way to fit him in this offense and make him a feature. And that to me, a guy who isn't like this big speedy guy that we're all like, Oh, Anthony Lynn loves his big speedy re- receivers that that can be a downfield threat. This offense needs that for Jared Goff to be successful. No, they went out and got a guy who they knew absolutely loved football and worked his ass off. And that's it. That's all they needed. And they're like, give us a half a season to figure out where we're going to use you. And they did, they found a way and man, it's, it's heterodox. It's heterodox. I'm going to use, I'm going to use the big word. It's heterodox. It's flexible. It doesn't conform. It doesn't need to, they will take what they can get and they will be able to, and and they will try to make it work. And that kind of flexibility is something that you need in football. I feel like I don't, that, that orthodox strategy that Matricia did Again, the problem is if you strike out and miss, you are in a deep hole that you are not climbing out of. We're trying All to climb out of the hole. If you, we are going to be on this podcast in five months from now, and the Detroit Lions are going to be a chic NFC North winner pick. That I, I promise you. Nationally yeah. speaking, we're already starting to get some buzz. Uh, and if, oh, if Aaron Rodgers isn't around, I was going to say, two, that's the only caveat. That's the only Aaron caveat. Rodgers might not be around. The other two teams might be dealing with new head coaches. The Lions are going to be a the North winner pick next like, year. Like the Vikings, the Vikings are going to have to do the total rebuild and the bears are at the end of the life of the lifespan of their, of their defense. Yeah. And it's not just going to be like, hey, you'll clean up a really kind of mediocre NFC North. I think it will be like, this is going to be a young, hungry team who wants to prove something. I'm excited to see more Jordan Love. <laughs> I don't, it's this promise. I don't know if he's going to leave. I really don't. I don't really want we, him to. We, we can save all of that kvetching for. Yeah, let's leave podcast. that for the offseason. We've got a long time to worry about the continued existence of uh, Vax Denier number 183 out there. Um, hey, but I mean, there we go. We I think we broke it down. We're all we're all saying it's a success. I don't understand if you're going to call Dan Campbell a meathead who's in over his head. I feel like you're not watching this team properly if you're doing that. And they didn't screw up by not getting the first overall pick. But you're going to hear that a lot this week if you're in Detroit. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and maybe we'll talk about that and talk about some other considerations for the upcoming offseason as we wrap up the final regular season, but certainly not the final Pride of Detroit POV cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast, uh, real quick outlining our offseason plans. Still going ham. 
those are capital letters, H-A-M, hard as a, you can fill in the blank there and use your imagination, treat it like a little bit of Wordle or something. We've been, hard we've been, as a I, mother, I, father. I, I got really mad at the Wordle today. I got really mad at the Wordle today and I kicked myself when I solved it. Anyway, the Gorge. point is that we are not going off the air once the, if you're new to Pride of Detroit, you're new to the POD cast, please understand we do at least once a week, no matter what. And I think we're going to try our damnedest to do at least twice a week, even in the off season. And I mean, we will obviously get much busier as the draft and free agency gets closer and closer, but please understand we might be a little low energy for part of January, but you're still going to get content. You are still going to get content nonstop because we're committed to this because we are not seasonal. We do. This is, this is what we do. And, and we'll probably bring back the, the live Q and a show as well. So that that'll get us to two. We Maybe might, we... and, and I, I want to continue to do interviews with, with people. And so, um, maybe first bite still exists and that gets a, us up to three podcasts a week in the off season. Show me another podcast right. that's doing that. Right. I don't know what you're going to do for the Q and a, if it's going to be back to green room or I know you and I have talked about maybe using Twitter spaces to our benefit. Cause I know that's new and up there and we're always hep to the new, the new tech or whatever, but um, we'll, we'll try to figure that out. Yeah. But we'll the point you. is that we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep you company through this long off season. And we'll probably, we'll, we usually let our hair down at certain points in the off season too. There will be list casts. There will be look backs. Wayback there will, machine? There will be some wayback machine probably. <laughs> I, we, we didn't do it last year because it was so damn depressing. Well, and, and we had to deal with a, a head coaching search, a GM search, a, a quarterback trade. And there, yeah. It was a busy there, there, was, there was a lot of news. There was a lot of news. Anyway, speaking of that news and speaking of all that, um, the big news besides this game itself is where the Lions land in the order. Yes, even though Jacksonville won because the Lions won, they have locked up number two. There was a moment where maybe the Packers could have won and the Lions would have gone to number one. But they go to number two. And that's not the end of the world. You're going to hear on Detroit radio from some callers, maybe some hosts, freaking out about it. And using your three favorite letters, same old Lions, that you somehow missed out on on number one by winning a game. And they're going to try that calling that game useless. Listen to me. Beating the beating the Packers, never useless. All we talked about last segment about establishing a culture, never useless. Also, this year, you can't tell me that there isn't a can't that there's a can't miss prospect at number one. Like, I mean, hell, I, I thought I thought most, you know, people in Michigan won Aiden Hutchinson over Kayvon Thibodeau anyway. So like, what, what, like now, now you're worried about missing Kayvon Thibodeau, please. I mean, I think that last point is, is the most important. Like it, if this was a draft in which there was a, a top tier quarterback that the Lions absolutely needed, you could have at least a little bit of upset in you, but we've been talking for, for weeks, if not a month now and saying, it's a two-man race for the number one pick, and the Lions are still in a spot to get one of those two guys. And that's even – and I know there, there's been more talk recently about maybe the Jaguars don't even get an edge rusher, and the Lions will still have their their, their pick of the litter there at number two. Yeah, they, and, really want, they really want offensive line help, and maybe Evan Neal is going right. to be that pick. Right. And But to me and, – and one of the most – salient things to me in my mind about the draft came from Dane Brugler this week and in, in a conversation he had with the athletic guys. And he said quite bluntly, like, this is not a great year to have a top five pick. 
And the reasoning for that is because there's just not that much of a difference between the top five and the top 10. And if that's the case, going from one to two, doesn't matter. Not that big of a deal. If the Lions were four or five, probably not that big of a deal. I know we've all kind of sworn ourselves on, on one of those top two defensive end guys, but even if they were to miss out on those guys, I don't think my heart would be broken right now. Oh, and but so, Jeremy, to suck in a year where it doesn't even matter to suck. That, 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 that is frustrating. I'm not going to lie. Like, it would be really nice to, to have a top two pick in last year's draft class where, you know, you could have a, a premier quarterback if, if that's where the lines would go this offseason. But in the end, like, like I said, I am so thankful that this season ended in week 18 and not week 17 because we would – we'd be feeling pretty down on, on the team. Not not completely down, but a little down. And so for the Lions to go out, win that ball game, the way that they did, fighting to the end, being really fun along the way and, and, and playing some pretty good football along the way, I'll take that time after time after time. If it means you get the horrible, horrible situation of having the number two pick. Oh no, the number two pick. As, as people in our chat have pointed out, who are the last two picks the Lions have made at number two? Adamican Sue and Calvin Johnson, right? That seems pretty okay to me. Bing bong. <laughs> and I, listen, I, I don't know if the lines are going to get someone <clears throat> that talented. Those were, those are talented draft classes, but point being the lines are going to get their chance at getting the best player in the draft minus one person. <laughs> hey, Joe Byron, take me to dinner. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> assuming the Jaguars make the right pick. And how, how can we even assume something like that at this point? When Trent Balky is the general manager, that's a hard assume. All right, real quick, some unsolicited gambling advice. Right now on DraftKings, Evan Neal is plus 750 to be the number one overall pick. Where's Thibodeau? Is it it totally – I think Thibodeau and Hutchinson are like – they're either like minus 110 or plus 110. Okay, okay. They're they're like, you know, the favorites to be one and two. But – it wouldn't shock me if the Jaguars decide to take a tackle because I don't think anybody should be mad at them because of what Jeremy just said, like make of what you will, the top five guys, they can go in probably any order. Like I, I, I think it's really like, what does your team need? And I, I, we, we took a look at Jacksonville's roster and they have a couple of good edge rushers. They have Josh Allen, they have Smoot, like they, they have some players there. They, they might not have Cam Robinson. He might be leaving uh, in, in free agency and they, they, they don't have a tackle. So I, here's the thing. I understand why people are upset about losing the freedom to, to make a choice there at, at number one, rather than having to take whoever gets taken at one, you get the, you know, you get the consolation prize, but it doesn't matter as much as what is happening in front of your eyes in terms of like the lions making steps in their in their rebuild and in, in, in re- rebooting their franchise, right? Like the wins matter more. Like it, it might matter some that you didn't get the number one overall pick, but it matters much, much less than the good things that are happening for the organization. And by the way, like, again, that Rams pick is there too. So it might yeah, not be a dude. strong, it might not be a strong top 10, but what I like about this class is the number of positions and the talent at those positions is very diverse. There were multiple people complaining about how, like, oh, like, yeah, it sucks that you wouldn't get the number one overall pick, but that it even sucks more that you're not going to have the number one pick on day two because that pick is, like, super valuable. It's pick 33. Like, I, why is it so super valuable? Like, 
I mean, yeah, the argument is that it, you, you can trade it. Like the, the 33 get picks. Get, you can trade 34 as well. Guess what? 34 is a pick that can be traded as well. <laughs> but not as easily because you don't have the whole night to think about it. it, it, I, I, it it's it's, it's such just a, such an incremental difference. It's such a are, tiny are, thing yeah. to nitpick. It's yeah. such it, a tiny thing to get mad over. It, it matters not in the grand scheme of things. It, no, here's what I will so, say. Yeah. I, I, I was... I, the, go ahead, go ahead. You finish because no, I no, I no. I, I just real quick. I'm sorry. I don't mean no, to you're step good. on your toes. I'm being hyper adequate. All I will say is we talked about this last year. Is that your position in the draft does not matter as much as how many picks you have in the first two days in the NBA? Yes, getting to the top, getting a top five pick means the difference between someone who's going to be a superstar for you for a long time or a positional bench player. Whereas everyone on day one is very likely going to be a starter for you in the NFL. So you want more picks. You want a multitude of picks and your position between one and two doesn't really change unless quarterback is in the, is in the consideration. And Matt Corral ain't effing going top five. There, I censored myself that time. Jeremy, I'm sorry. Continue. No, the, I was going to change the topics a little bit and, and talk about the Rams pick today because that I think that we got a little bit of positive. Uh, mo, I was going to say momentum. That's not really the word I'm looking Jesus, for. You're hung um, up on that word now. But I think positive results because the Rams, all they needed to do was win to get the two seed. And that meant they were either going to play an Eagles team that probably doesn't belong in the playoffs or a Saints team that doesn't belong in the playoffs. Instead, they lost, and unfortunately, the Cardinals lost too. So the Rams are still getting a home game, but it's against the Cardinals. And that's going to be a good matchup. I don't think that's going to be a blowout in either way. When you get divisional foes facing each other, that could be a first-round exit. Yeah, especially means, what we've learned about this Rams defense, which, again, my sure. Rams my Rams people are still on fire. Raheem Mostert, um, Raheem Morris, excuse me, Raheem Morris train. Um not a lot of blown coverage in today's game against the 49ers, letting Jimmy Garoppolo thrown on busted coverage. Yep. And so, I mean, if, if the, if the Rams get bounced in the first round, that's the difference between a, a high twenties pick and a low twenties pick. So uh, a slightly good result there is the Rams are now the four seed and um, even, and even projecting further, let's say they win that game. Well, suddenly they're the four seed. They're probably going to have to go on the route on the road in round two, which is not going to be as easy. Means facing yeah, Dallas or to Green Bay, to Dallas or Green Bay, or, or maybe even to Tampa. So, um, yeah, it, it's they're, they're in a tougher situation now than they entered the day, and so that could be a good news for you if, if you're rooting against the Rams and you're rooting for draft pick. Position. Jeremy's rooting against the Rams. That's not what I said. That's not what I'm just laying it out for people to choose what they want to root for. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a chance to not let that happen, and what did he do? He ran the ball because Sean McVay, who they, they had that game in their hands. It was a seven point lead with God. two minutes left. And Sean McVay decided run, run, run. Let's just use their timeouts because we trust our defense to stop Jimmy Garoppolo from going 85 yards with a minute left and no timeouts. And they couldn't do that. You had Matthew Stafford in your back pocket and you decided, nah, let's run the ball. And then what are you doing overtime? Yeah. Hey, why, why'd you trade all those draft picks, Los Angeles Rams? If you're not going to use, it's like right? it's like buying a car and leaving it in the garage. Exactly. Yeah, I got a triple of the Nova. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my God. What else do we have? What What else? What What else did we? What, I I don't even remember my own damn run. Things now. going for biggest questions of yeah, the offseason. Okay. Season. Yeah. Let's Let's one more thing before we get out of here. And once again, it's one of our stupid games. 
biggest question singular that you have going forward as we ventured into this brave new world of the 2022 off season? Where's the defensive talent going to come from? They, they need like, I, I think that the off season needs to be focused on that. We, we talked about it a lot already. The offense, you know, the, the offensive line seems set. They're going to get rag now back. Hopefully everyone else is going to come back healthy. And even the depth, like depth at the offensive line was a huge worry going into the season. And the lions got some guys this year that, that, that they might be able to trust. They need tight ends. They need another wide receiver, but that's about it. Defensively, where are they going to get this talent? Are they are they going to get it from Jeff Okuda and 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 Romeo Aquara coming back? Are they going to get uh, a linebacker too? Um, is, is Levi going to take that big step in year two? Um, the defense was not good this year. It wasn't as much as we like to crown Aaron Glenn and and he should deserve a lot of credit. It was not good this year, and they're not going to be able to compete if they perform like they did last year. Can this defense take the year two jump that Aaron Glenn's defensive backs took in New Orleans in year two under him? That's a huge question for me. Um, and so I guess if I could specify it, it's how does that defensive backfield get better in 2022? It's a big question. <clears throat> it's a question worth pondering for sure. I mean, all all of the all of the what ifs with guys that are currently in-house, right? Sure. Like is Jeff Okuda going to be healthy? Is Jerry Jacobs going to be right? I, and, I mean, if he take a year two jump, I mean, I, hopefully we got the answer to one of those questions, right? Like Tracy Walker, hopefully back, back yep. for sure. Maybe hopefully, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Jeremy with, with me, I, because I, you kind of, you kind of stole my, my big question, but I think if I were to, if I were to throw a second question out there is how are the lions going to prioritize getting better on offense? And I think a lot of people would answer that question and say like, well, you replace Jared Goff. That's how the lions get better on offense. I don't think the lions are replacing Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff is their quarterback in 2022. So how, how do you best help Jared Goff in 2022? Do you go out and get a, an established free agent wide receiver? Are you comfortable enough drafting another one, um, spending draft capital, wherever it may be? Um, or do you, do you go out and like make a trade for somebody? I, I, I don't know. Like if, if things wouldn't happen with, uh, with Josh Reynolds, the way that they did in terms of, you know, him, him getting released and the Lions picking up on the waiver claim. I wonder if maybe earlier in the season, Brad Holmes had like thought about the idea of maybe if he, if he didn't trade picks for Trinity Benson, would he have traded picks for Josh Reynolds? What like do, does Jared Goff want another receiver that he feels comfortable with? Because I think that's what you need to do for 2022 is you need to find a way to best improve Jared Goff's game. But again, I think a lot of those answers are like inward. It's TJ Hawkinson being healthy. It's Frank Ragnar getting healthy. We, we saw what this, this offensive line can do. And I think something that's going to be very invaluable to this team is all of the experience that their backup offensive linemen got this year. Like if they can retain some of those guys, well, now they have guys who can fill in in a pinch. Evan Brown can fill in in a pinch. Tommy Kramer can fill in, in a pinch. Like Matt Nelson is probably like, he's a player who I would assume to be like on the 53 man roster going into next season, because he has experience being the sixth tackle. He has experience filling in like, I, but, but it just comes back to that question. Like how, how do you help make Jared Goff better? And 
I'm interested to see like where they go about doing that because I think they have the running back thing figured out. It's just a receiver question. I I feel like. Sure. I don't, I don't have a, I, I think I would echo Jeremy's question at this point. I don't really have a unique one that I can really say other than maybe, maybe I would like to ask like what, What's what's the permanent state of the offensive play calling? What's the permanent state of the offensive game plan? Because we saw, again, we saw a lot of good that we liked near the end of the season with trickeration, with with creative play calling, with you know Dan Campbell getting seemingly getting comfortable with the play calling, with Ben Johnson more involved in drawing up plays. I don't know what's going to, this is coming out on Monday. I don't know what the answer is happening about the reports about Anthony Lynn here, but I, uh, you, you would want that kind of answered. If he is going to depart, then you need a replacement or you need a plan. I don't, I, I think we all, we were all in agreement kind of off air about like, it's probably going to probably come internally in, in some regard, but I, I don't want to go back to what this was at the start of the year where they wanted to be a run heavy team. I mean, I don't mind if they are a run heavy team, they're clearly investing in, in the trenches first and foremost, but it was clear. They, they like when they moved away from that and took a more balanced offensive approach that became a lot better. So I'm, I'm curious what, I'm curious what the true shape of the offensive play calling is. It is, is it first half of the year with more preparation and just you trying to refine it and make it work? Or is it the second half? And that's not just desperation. You trying to stay in games. I like it. Man, the bell. Yeah. It's the off season, baby. It's almost is a threat. It, it sounds September like a threat, yet? doesn't it? It's it's been a long season, though. You know what I mean? It like really it, has. It's I, been I, one extra week. I think the problem is football season goes through the holidays, so it like messes. I, I mean, this is the lowest, smallest violin possible playing right now, but it messes with uh, as people who cover the team. It messes with our ability to recharge during the holidays because we're still going through it and we're still writing and podcasting through th- and you know the Lions always play on Thanksgiving too so it just doubles it up i i think and jeremy mentioned this off air like in between segments but i think what has made the season so long is it feels like the season never ended because patricia got fired and then it was coaching search and GM search and trading Matthew Stafford and then it was the draft and free agency and it just feels like there was like maybe a tiny lull in like May. And then it was just like ramp all the way back up. Like it literally felt like just the season that never ended like 20 and 2021. 20, just, I don't know, but I, I like, I like the end that I got spit out on. Well, senior bowl is only a week or two away. So <laughs> get ready. Lions are probably coaching. Jeremy said the word senior bowl. He would not yeah. have done that last year. No, no. The Lions weren't coaching in the senior bowl last year. Yeah, I know, but you wouldn't have been excited. Who, who said I was excited? You, you who wouldn't said I like, was excited. You see, okay, I, I just, I figured out Jeremy. Because he, he, it's because the <laughs> Lions staff six will years. be there. It will take the Lions staff being there, but he doesn't give a damn about what it means for the draft. Yeah, there, yeah. You got it. Nailed it. <laughs> like the one reason why we're all watching the senior bowl and he doesn't care. 
He just cares because he wants to get more clips. There from, like, is Dan a small Campbell percentage chance that I might even be down there. Like as as we're, as a in Mobile, border, I should be in Mobile. It's a very nice town. I mean, I should be there, right? Like get to spend a whole week with Lions coaching staff. Well, I'm sure the Lions listen. They'll get you. SB Nation, pay for it, please, and I'll do it, please. <laughs> the idea they're going to send us money. We're the Lions podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're Detroit. Ain't get you. You can't get bleep in detroit <laughs> remember we're not gone folks we're going to be your companion we're going to be your friend through a very long off season we're here to have fun with you maybe we'll parachute in some other sports a little bit but i know people come here for lions 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 and we aim to please so until then for jeremy reisman for ryan matthews for myself chris perfett We will see you star side. 